Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Bridge Church. I'm Rasul Berry. I'm the teaching pastor here, and we're excited that you are here with us. Our lead pastor, uh, James Roberson, uh, is on a sabbatical right now, and so uh, we are just kind of taking over for his while he's gone, hopefully enjoying a well-deserved rest. And we're also recontinuing in our series called Proclaim, going through the Gospel of John. It's been a few weeks Uh, But we left off in John chapter 6, and we're going to pick back up there as well. This idea of going through storms that we just sang about and that we're about to read about is something that actually I can remember and appreciate very, very recently. Do y'all remember when we used to get on planes and travel to other cities? Y'all remember that? (laughs) Well, back in February, I uh, was in Michigan and was uh, flying back home to New York. It was the last flight of the evening, so we were excited to get back home. Uh, af- after we take off and you know, are in the air at cruising altitude, we hear the uh, pilot, you know, he says, uh, thank you very much uh, for flying with us. Uh, we have reached a cruising altitude, although we need to let you know we are heading toward a storm. And so we need you to make sure that you have your seatbelts fastened to your tray tables uh, in their upright positions. Uh, Cabin service will be discontinued uh, until further notice. Uh, Enjoy the ride. It'll be a little bit bumpy, but we'll make it through. So he finished uh, that statement. And so, you know, you have that little bit of a heightened sense of of concern. He mentioned that we were going to go around the storm, so it was going to take a little bit extra time in order to get to New York City. And I remember the storm, the the turbulence came, right? And there's that moment where you go like, okay, this is okay. Oh, oh, wait a minute now. What's going on? Because it started to really like shake and rock. And eventually, after this went on for a few moments, he gets back on and tells us that we have to head back to Michigan because the storm got too big for us to continue our journey. You know, Jesus handles storms very differently than what I experienced on that plane. And what we find in chapter six is that oftentimes the experiences we have in our lives are very different from what we experience from 30,000 feet in the air. Jesus takes, takes us through storms, but what happens when we go through them? Well, in John chapter 6, we find out. Now, just to remind us, because it's been a minute since we've been there, the first 15 verses in John chapter 6, we see this huge miracle of Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. In fact, he challenges the disciples when he sees this large group of upwards to 15,000 total people. How are we going to feed the people And they don't know. And so he ends up feeding them with two fish and five loaves. And it was a test of their faith. But the test that they're about to experience right now is much more personal, much more intense, and a a bigger test. And so in John 6, 
verse 16, this is what we find. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started, walk, started across the sea of Capernaum. They got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum or Capernaum. Now, just to give us a, a visual, Jesus stays on this side after he wishes the people off and sees them well and, and just tells the disciples, okay, I'll see you, I'll meet you on the other side. They get into a boat. Now, these fishing boats held a maximum of 15 people, but comfortably around 13. There's 12 of them. So it's a packed ship that they're going on. But these are fishermen. They've made this trip across the Sea of Galilee many, many times. This is where they were from. Peter was from Capernaum. So no problem. Well, except for when there's a problem. Verse 18, we see the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. Now, just to give us a little bit of a geography lesson, the Sea of Galilee was actually a lake, but it was so large that it's, it, they just called it a sea. It was a natural lake. And on the one side, there was a mountain range where Jesus actually taught like the Sermon on the Mount. That was right there. And, that, and on the other side, it was a desert. Now, on the west the cool wind from the Mediterranean Sea would sweep across. And occasionally, from the east, hot, dry winds would come in from the desert. And if you know anything about weather, then you realize that when a cold front meets a hot front, it creates a combustible situation that creates immediate storms. These storms, when they occurred, would happen very rapidly, they would, almost without warning. They were life-threatening and they were dangerous. They could shake the confidence of even the most accomplished and experienced fishermen on the boat. And that's true for us too. Storms happen oftentimes when we least expect them. We don't see that they're coming. It's, it's not like in a plane where somebody is telling me, okay, we're approaching turbulence. But in real life, you don't see it coming. Many of us can relate to this. In February, we didn't see this moment coming. A time when things would shut down, a time when people were figuring out where they would have their next meal, where their income would come from, a time where social unrest would be at its peak. Storms come when we least expect them. But there's another thing about this situation in this story that makes Jesus very different from the pilot that I experienced a few months ago. You see, Mark chapter 6 makes it very clear in this situation that Jesus knew that there would be a storm. And yet he sends them into the storm and he don't come. What's that about? Have you ever experienced that, this question of like, wait, uh, Jesus, what's going on? <laughs> Why aren't you here? Are you even, do you care? What storms are you facing right now? Are they financial? Are they emotional or mental? Are they relational? 
or maybe something else? What are the storms that you're facing? Well, look at what happens in verse 19. It says, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. Now, we're going to switch over to, the, to Matthew's account of this. This is where it's really helpful that the Gospels give us multiple accounts of the same situation because we get different angles and different vantage points of the same circumstance. So if you're following on, you can kind of hold in John 6. We'll go back there, but we're going to go over to Matthew because Matthew gives us some additional insight about the circumstance. In Matthew 14, starting from verse 24, this is what it says. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves and the winds were against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Picture the scene. Fourth watch of the night means it's anywhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. This was a journey that would normally take just a couple hours. They just had dinner. They should have been home by now. But the sea was so rough, the winds were blowing so strongly that they were almost going nowhere for two hours. But they were further, far enough out where there was no land in sight. It was completely pitch back black dark. Winds are whipping against the ship. And then on top of all of that, they see a per- a something coming toward them in the sea. That's, storms are scary. Storms are scary. They, they, they upend us. They, they, they rock us. They, they shake us. And they often lead us wondering what is next. Now, now, why would they say it's a ghost? You're thinking, okay, um, that's not really in like theology class 101 with Jesus. Watch out for the ghost. But you see, there was local legend had it that when people, because these storms would shipwreck boats and people oftentimes died in the midst of them, that when the, the souls of sometimes of the people who had died in the Sea of Galilee would sometimes emerge and as ghosts to come and drown other people. It was a local superstition that they had. And so when they said it's a ghost, they were crying out in fear and in the perspective of things that they had heard. Now that might sound strange, but many of us can relate to this type of a uh, circumstance because um, it's dark, it's scary, and raise your hand if you've ever seen a human being walking on the top of a water, of a large body of water. Nobody had. And so seeing them quickly, he sees this dude, and it reminds me, remember that scene in Get Out when it was dark? It was scary, and out of, out of the blue, my man is seeing somebody sprinting straight ahead at him, right? And it was just like, and we all were freaked out. It wasn't just him. It wasn't just my man, Daniel. <laughs> we all were in that situation because when you're, it's dark and you're scared, even things that are coming to you, you think it's coming to attack you. Now, it may not be ghosts in your situation, but there are beliefs, superstitions, false ideas that you may have that are nurturing your sense of fear in the scenario. Beliefs like God is angry at me because of my past. Beliefs like God is punishing me because of something I've done. Beliefs like this circumstance, this pandemic, this 
unrest is bigger than God. Those are the types of false beliefs that create even more fear in the storm. What, what storms are causing you to fear right now? What false beliefs might you be holding on to or nurturing that, that causes you to see the storm in the situation as one that even when Jesus is coming closer to you, it scares you even more? Verse 20, we flip back over to John chapter 6. Matthew 14, we'll be back there in a minute. But in verse 20, it says, But he, Jesus, said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. In storms, Jesus seems distant, but he exactly, he's exactly where he is expecting to be, where he plans to be. But sometimes our perspective is off. Another thing that some of us can remember is being in cars and being in a long ride. Some of us are back in some of those rhythms. And you ever notice that if you're driving on a, if you're sitting in the passenger side of a car and you look in the side view mirror, there's a little statement at the bottom of the mirror that says objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. And what this little statement is reminding and telling the driver is that when you look over into that side view mirror, you might see a car. And that car, because of the angle that you're looking at this mirror, might seem further away. But in actuality, the car is closer than it appears. So don't try to think that you can merge over because you'll get into a collision. Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. You see, in a storm, everything looks like a threat. In a storm, it looks like Jesus is distant, is far away. He's like, yo, they, the, the last time they saw and experienced him, he was on the side, they were in the boat, and that was the last thing that they saw. And so they are in distress. And Jesus seems far. But my brothers and sisters, be encouraged today because the good news is that objects in the mirror are further, that are closer than they appear. Jesus is closer than he appears. The storm may be rocking your sense of perspective, may be rocking your sense of, of actual reality, but be not afraid, Jesus is there. Do you recognize that command do not be afraid, is the most spoken command in all of Scripture. You see, God understands that if we deal with this issue of fear, then all the other issues will get dealt away with. Most of the time we sin because it's an issue of fear. We're afraid that God won't provide as he promised. We're afraid that he won't come through. So then we got to try to help God out by doing it our way because we're afraid. He says, do not be afraid. Now, again, going back over to Matthew 14, we see another aspect of this scene unfold and we see the reaction and the response on the boat. In verse 28, it says, and Peter answered him, Lord, 
if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I love this because Peter is like, I know you said it's you, but you could be a ghost pretending to be Jesus and trying to get me confused. So if a ghost wouldn't have the ability to actually do more than just kind of scare me. But if you're really who you say you are, because I just saw that you fed 15,000 people with a, a little Happy Meal, then I know that that means that you could have me walk on this water too. So Peter says, if it's you, command me to come on this water and I'll do it. And it's in verse 29, he said, come. So Peter got out the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Yo, Peter is a G. This is in the middle of a storm. They just were surmising that this is maybe a ghost. And he's like, Jesus, if it's you, come on and tell me. And Jesus says, come. And Peter's like, imagine, I mean, he's getting out the boat. Yo, I can walk on the water. Like, Jesus, I'm walking in the midst of the storm. I'm walking on water to you. And I, I, can you imagine the moment? How is God challenging you to get out of your boat? In what ways is he challenging you to trust him so, so to the point where you can do what might seem impossible? What dreams, what hopes are you nurturing? Have, has this season birthed in you, but there's still just this fear of like, but yo, this storm is just so distracting and it's so big that I, I don't know if I can even venture out into this. What might God be telling you to say, come on out the boat, come on out the boat. Peter gets out the boat and has this incredible experience of walking with Jesus on top of water, something he would never, ever forget. And if that was the end of the story, it'd be dope, but it's not. In verse 30, it says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. He's walking, you know, looking at Jesus like, yo, this is amazing. Like I'm on top of the water right now. And then this just that, that wind from the west comes by, woof. He looks at that, sees this wave come over. He gets soaking wet on the, and before you know it, he's sinking and he's, Lord, save me. He took his eye off of Jesus and put it on the circumstance. His eye off of Jesus and put it on the situation. And when he did that, he began to sink. It says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I love that. It says immediately. He started to sing and, and Jesus had him immediately. There was never a point in which he was actually in danger, but he just perceived that he was. Jesus didn't struggle with it. He wasn't like, oh snap, I got to. Immediately he brought him out and said, man, you were almost had it. Why did you doubt? You see, in the midst of the storm, we can hear this. Listen, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. In the midst of the storm, we see what's happening on our left. We see what's happening on our right. We see a pandemic on the left. We see protests on the right. We see famine on the left. We see sickness on the right. We see all these things and they can take our eyes. And Jesus is saying, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Walk toward the light. 
come to me. Just keep your eyes on me. Now, he's not offering a silver lining on a bad situation. He's not saying, hey, it's not as bad as you think. No, 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 it's bad. What he, Jesus is saying is he doesn't minimize the storm, he maximizes his presence. See, the, the, the turning point isn't, oh, the storm isn't so bad. It's that Jesus is bigger than the storm. He's better than the storm. He's able to do ab- more and abundantly above what we can ask or even imagine. And when we keep our eyes on him, that's when we can able to walk on water. Matthew 14, 32 and 33, look at the reaction, look at the response. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God worshiped him. He was a teacher before, but now they recognize Jesus. You're more than a teacher. You are Lord over the storm. You walked on top of the water. You commanded the waves and it just ceased. You are one that to be worshiped in the same boat that they were screaming for their lives, in the same boat in which they thought they were about to die, now they're having a worship service. Part of what's happening here is Jesus says, not just do not be afraid, but he prefaces that why not to be afraid because it is I. This is one of seven I am statements that we find in the gospel of John. John is just nailing down and drilling down to us this sense of this identity where we see seven different times Jesus says, I am. It is the solution. It is the answer. I am. I am. Well, why is this significant? Well, remember they had just celebrated Passover earlier in the chapter. And the Passover imagery was the Exodus story. In Exodus chapter three, when God appears to Moses at the bush and God God tells Moses, go to my people, tell them let, go to Pharaoh, tell him I said, let my people go. And he was like, yo, the people won't believe me. Who, who, Who should I even tell them I'm talking to right now? And God said, tell them I am that I am. The same phrase that Jesus is using is what Yahweh in the Old Testament used to describe himself. You see, it gets even better. So Moses does what he's told. Eventually, 10 plagues, they are leaving Egypt. And y'all know this story. Pharaoh changes his mind. The whole army of Egypt's coming. Uh Uh-oh, problem, Red Sea in front of me people mad. They're scared. They're crying out. God says, put your staff in the sea. And the sea splits in half and the people are able to walk through 
the sea. You see what Jesus is doing. He was saying, oh yeah, I am the same one who split the sea, but this time I'll come in the flesh and I don't even have to split a sea. I just walk on top of the sea and speak to it and tell it to be quiet, to chill, and it does. That's why they worshiped him. They recognized who he was And in verse 21, it says, then they were glad to take him into the boat. We're back in John 6. And immediately the boat was at land to which they were going. (laughs) Immediately. Once Jesus entered the boat, once they put their focus on him and not on their circumstances, the results were immediate. They were on land. This is another miracle. He did like a speedboat situation for them. Before they had been struggling to get anywhere, now they were immediately on the land. Don't miss that. Once they were willing to receive Jesus into their boat, he dealt with their problem and delivered them from where they needed to go. You see, this is why Dr. Tony Evans put it this way. When believers recognize and respond to the presence of Jesus in the midst of their struggles, they invite the supernatural into their negative circumstances. In what ways do you need the supernatural to invade your circumstances? I remember when this became real to me. I've mentioned before that prior to being in New York, we were in Indiana, my wife Tamika and I leading a music ministry. And we were in the midst of everything just about to hit its amazing apex. Uh, We had a large large team, our team had grown. We were two months away from releasing an album. We just had this incredible sense of vision. I was like, this is what I am doing for the rest of my life. And right at that moment, a storm came, no warning, more than turbulence, winds from the east and from the west, and in a moment, it was gone. The team, the being a part of something bigger, just like the type of thing that many people have experienced over the last few months where you just kind of look up and the world is different and the things you were hoping for and planning for seem to be elusive. And in the midst of that trial, I remember coming, just being totally disoriented, not knowing what I would do or what would be next. I ended up coming to New York, spending some time with Pastor James. And um, we were talking about the situation and he encouraged me. He's like, I think it's time for you to take a step, a step of faith. Now, that step ended up being moving to New York. Now, here's the thing. I wish I could tell you that He said that, I had this incredible lightning flash moment. I heard Jesus say, get out the boat and then lived happily ever after. But that ain't what happened. Instead, the struggle itself continued to disorient me, continued to cause this this sense of like, what's next? And it continued to be a moment where I did not know. But it was in the moment, it was in the, the midst of that situation that Jesus in his presence was all that we needed. Five years later, 
we look back on that and go, oh, it was absolutely, Jesus was there the whole time. Even though he seemed distant, even though he seemed far away, he was present the whole time. You might be here today and you might feel like Jesus is still on the side of the shore and you in this boat and it's rocking and it's dark and it's scary and you're alone. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus won't just send us to a storm. He sends us through the storm. His faithful presence is a commitment. It says, do not be afraid. I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy does come in the morning. You don't have to be afraid of what may come, of the uncertainty, because even though it took you by surprise, it has not taken Jesus by surprise, and that somehow in the midst of this moment, in the midst of your fears, in the midst of the concerns, Jesus is there making you stronger, helping you see him, allowing you to do things that you would never imagine and think possible, walking on the very waters that were causing you concern. He just says, come, come to me. I know it's scary. I know the winds are whipping. I know you're afraid. I know it looks dangerous. I know you don't know what's happening next. Come, just come. The safest place to be is in the presence of Jesus. The one who is Lord over the storm. Do you believe that tonight? I want you, as I, before I close, to just say out loud, what, what's the one thing that you're afraid of, the, that, that storm? Name it. I Acknowledge it and then give it to Jesus. Let's, let's extend our hands. I just offer this moment to just extend your hands and give Jesus the, the issue in the storm. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much that your presence is with us even when it seems like it isn't. Even when it seems like we're alone, we're abandoned. God, you tell us in your word that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You are there right with us in the midst of the storm and you can say, peace, be still. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you, our, our hearts engaged with you. Help us when the winds and the waves and they shake and they go back and forth that we continue to keep ourselves locked onto you. Go, Lord, we, we give you, we, all, we give you this fear. We give you this concern. We give you this. And we say, would you just give us a reminder of your presence in this day? We thank you that you are the Lord over the storm. We thank you that you take us through the storm and that you will bring us on the other side. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. 
We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.